0: Hey, this is Lane Yarrick, one of the servant leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you can lean in and enjoy this week's message. Hey, welcome everybody! Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. It's a little bit newer to Ethos, as Andrea just mentioned, we are so glad that you're with us. My name is Jordan, and my wife Courtney and I have the amazing privilege of being the lead pastors here. And even though you don't get to you don't get to see Courtney as often these days, know that we are praying for you every single day. We love you, and we really believe that the best is yet to come i have a deep conviction around what god is doing in and through ethos and wants to do this year in 2021 in fact if you're watching us right now on facebook do us a favor and share this let your friends and your family know i believe that what we're going to share today is going to be life-giving encouraging and extremely practical as well speaking of speaking of practical we are actually launching in just a couple weeks what we're calling study groups these are all going to be online but there's several different groups that we want to encourage you to sign up for and to participate in. And these are opportunities for us to grow further in our individual faith, as well as just grow in relationship with one another in this season where it feels like all of us are are scattered all over the place. This is another opportunity for us to engage and lean in. And listen to me, you you might say, man, I I don't really have time for another group. Listen, don't let your calendar determine your character. Let your character determine your calendar. In other words, create space to do the things that matter the most and growing in your faith dad that's the best thing you can do for your family mom likewise individual young adult same with you like like make it a priority we've got groups that are i believe we've got a group for everybody i, I really do we, we were really intentional and strategic to make sure that we uh that we were that we were in starting study groups where everybody there'd be something for everyone hey i, I want to continue our series on your best year yet with uh, a message entitled Questioning Prayer. I want to talk about prayer. The last two weeks, first two weeks really, of this series, we we really leaned into the scriptures. What does it look like to read the Bible? Why should we read the Bible? What's the value and the importance? And I really believe that this is the foundation for everything. In fact, if we don't understand, if we don't begin to engage in the scriptures and read the Bible, I really think we're going to have a hard time praying. How we hear from God is actually dictated and determined by how we understand God's Word. Let, let, me, let me explain it a little bit further as we kind of dive into this into this talk today, Questioning Prayer. But I, it'd be crazy for me to go any further in a message about prayer without first starting in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for these moments that we have. And wherever we may find ourselves right now, God, I just ask that you would meet those on the other side of the screen or speakers, wherever, wherever we find ourselves, God, just Meet us right there. Father, I, I'm, I'm asking and I'm believing that you would really not just reveal more of yourself, but reveal the fullness of yourself to us this year, that we might fully walk in who you are and your purpose for our lives. God, we want to experience you in real relational ways. And Father, if, if there's anybody on the other side of this right now who's just hurting, God, I just pray that you would that your peace and your joy would reign in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I think mostly because I'm a pastor, I've discovered that whenever it's time to pray, like whenever there's an assumed time of prayer, for example, whenever a meal is served, instinctively, everybody in the room just sort of looks at me. They're like, you gonna pray? Like almost as if I have some unique connection with God that nobody else has. Like, Like the meal cannot be served unless, you know, the pastor prays. Like recently, I went out, to dinner with some friends my wife and I and uh, we're in group with them and they're great friends and in fact maybe you're watching with your community group right now y'all just look around the room right now in this moment and say I'm so glad that I'm in group with you because you all make me better these are the friends that, that I'm talking about right now like they make my wife and I better and we're at this restaurant and the meal is served and the in the in the server brings out our plates, and, and instantly they look at us and say, let's pray. And I thought they were referring to like, Jordan, go ahead and pray. But before I could even open my mouth, they started to pray. Just thank God for the meal and thank God for the time that we were having together on that evening. And as soon as they got done, I looked at my friend and I said, that's why we're friends right there. And he's like, what are you talking about? Because everybody else that I hang out with just assumes, Jordan, you ought to be the one who prays. But here's what's so so interesting is is that oftentimes I feel extremely inadequate to pray. Like there are so many situations and circumstances I find myself in where I'm like, I don't know what to pray for right now. Like don't get me wrong, when it comes time to eat the meal, I just want to thank God for the meal and then eat the food. Like that's a short time of prayer. My grandpa used to pray forever at Christmas and Thanksgiving and I learned by watching what he does not to do that in in the future, but... It's interesting because Jesus actually actually is asked in, in Luke chapter 11 by his closest disciples, he's, he's asked to teach them how to pray. In fact, his disciples literally say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Which is indicative of the fact that prayer can be taught and should be taught. And there's actually a progression within prayer. Have you ever noticed the centrality of prayer? Like every religion and every non-religion Praise like muslims pray christians pray buddhists pray like like we all even atheists in like their greatest moments of weakness have been known to kind of offer up an escapist prayer of sorts to god or to some deity or being that they see as a as a higher power like prayer just doesn't seem to go away no matter where you go in the world no matter what situation you might find yourself in like all of us feel within us this sense of like man i I ought to pray right now. Like I maybe I should learn more about prayer. I was reading a a recent study by Gallup. In fact, it was a poll that was done that said more Americans will pray this week than will exercise, drive a car, have sex or go to work. Okay, that's pretty crazy. In fact, 9 out of 10 Americans this week will pray at least one time. 3 out of 4 Americans will pray at least 3 times. So so it's it's easy then for us to conclude that like everybody's Everybody's praying, and yet, if we're honest, prayer is a bit of a mystery to us, isn't it? It was recorded that Albert Einstein had this interaction with one of his students. It said that when a doctoral student at Princeton asked, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? Albert Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody just find out about prayer. Like, even Einstein was like, I can't figure it out. In fact, I've kind of just observed, now these these aren't things that I've seen through the scriptures, but just through observation. I've I found there's really kind of three general overarching reasons why, why most Americans, at least, why most Americans pray. The first one is just for gratitude. Like at some point, we're kind of like, thank God, right? Like, have you ever noticed this even in sporting events? Like after a touchdown, they're kind of point to the sky. Like, like we're like, I don't know who else to thank, so I'm just going to thank God even in our own lives we do this sometimes. We feel this need within us like that really wasn't just me who did that. And So I should probably thank somebody. There's nobody to thank. So I'm just going to thank God. Some of us then just kind of instinctively pray because we're angry. And we feel like well, there's somebody that we need to assign blame to. Things didn't go our way or we see something happening in the world. And we can't blame anybody else. And so we just say, well, I just, I'm angry. God, why? Like, Why would you do that? Why would you allow that? Others of us pray in moments of vulnerability, like there's just moments of weakness where we begin to ask for help because we, we treat prayer as sort of like a last resort rather than a first response. And, man, I got nowhere else to turn right now, so I guess I'll, I guess I'll pray. There was another study that was, that was done. In fact, it's kind of a branch off of neurotherapy, and it's called neurotheology. And this was done about 20 to 25 years ago, almost, almost three decades ago now, actually, and it's really the science of mapping what happens when you pray. You could Google this, neurotheology. And, and they, they found that there's a relaxation response that's released within us. There's this physiological state that shifts people out of their fight, flight, or free state into a place of rest and ease. When you pray, you just, you, you, they found that even your brain begins to just kind of feel more at, at ease. One study by Lisa Miller of Columbia University, is really interesting, found that of people who were high at risk for depression, those who prayed regularly developed a thicker cerebral cortex, which is associated with less depression and less anxiety. The study goes on. It says that children with asthma cope better when they pray. Prayer has also been shown to lessen heart attacks and resolve in quicker recovery from heart surgery. All of that to simply say, conclusion, scientists are even recognized that something is happening when you're praying. But here's what's so ironic that I, I, I don't know if I've really ever met anybody. Maybe there's one person that comes to mind, but I, I rarely meet people who say, I'm awesome at prayer. Like, you know, I don't really understand the Bible, like kind of caring for the poor is really challenging for me, but prayer, that comes easy to me. Like, I, I don't know that I've really run into many people who could, who could say that. So ultimately, the conclusion is that scientists are even saying that something is happening when you're praying. Which is kind of interesting, right? Because one of the more famous scriptures, in fact, it's probably one of the more, probably maybe one of the top 10 most well-known scriptures. One of the very first ones that, that, that we hear about when we first place our faith in Jesus is, is Philippians chapter 4, verse, verse 6 and 7, where the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church at Philippi. He's saying, listen, be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing, pray about everything with thanksgiving let your request be known unto God and then the peace of God which transcends our understanding will rule and reign and guard our hearts but pray about everything it's interesting because one of the more famous scriptures is also one of the ones that we'd probably say I'm not good at that like if we're honest with ourselves we'd say I'm not good about praying about everything the reason I think we struggle with prayer is because we are not brutally honest about what's happening within us when we pray I've been married for for 14 years now, and if you ask my wife, she'd say it is the best 14 years of her life, and and ha, I'm, it's best 14 years of my life too. But truth be told, it hasn't always been the best. Like like right now, I think we have a really really great marriage, and but there were seasons in our marriage that weren't always perfect. Certainly not always great. I mean, it's still not perfect, but seasons too that were that were more challenging than others. But one of the things that really helped us kind of go to like the next level, so to speak, in our marriage is when we actually became more comfortable to be honest with one another, like fully honest with one another. Have you ever noticed this? That, that sometimes, especially in marriage, we, uh, we don't even like to be honest because when your spouse is honest with you, you might kind of get offended. At the very least, you get a bit defensive and at a certain point, Courtney and I realized, like, no, we gotta be honest with each other. We can't hold things back. I've got to do it in love and grace, but also we gotta, we gotta share like what, what we're really what we're really feeling. And once we do that, like once we begin to love one another for who we are, not just for who we want each other to be, like truly like just kind of naked and unashamed, like we, we, we can actually grow in our marriage, in our relationship. Well, it's the same way with, it's the same way with God. Like, I want to encourage you, don't just do the Christian thing when it comes to prayer, but do the following Jesus thing. See, you can be a Christian and be dishonest, but you can't follow Jesus and be dishonest because you can define and refine the term Christian however you want to. And it has been defined in so many different ways. People do things in the name of Christianity all over the place. Like That's not, that's not following Jesus, though. Like You can't actually follow Jesus, our Messiah, our great teacher, our Lord, and be dishonest with Him, be dishonest with our Heavenly Father. See, Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in all honesty, it's prayer that makes us so anxious. See, I I think if we're honest, let me me just unpack three, what we're going to call honest anxieties about prayer. The first one is outcome anxiety. And see if you can identify yourself within any of these. Outcome anxiety is where we kind of ask, like, does prayer really work? Like, I don't know if I want to pray, because I'm not even convinced that prayer actually works. At a certain point, maybe you've been disappointed because you prayed something and you felt like God let you down. And so as you, as you engage in new prayers, you, you kind of go into it like half-hearted, a little bit flippant, you're like, I mean, I guess, God, like, if it's your will, and I'm not even sure if I want to pray. Like, I, I mean, I've, I feel like you failed me before, so why would I expect you to to kind of pull, pull through for me now? In a lot of ways, too, we've actually kind of explained away some of the miracles of God just through science. So outcome anxiety has kind of been one of the things that's kind of top on our list as to ways in which we feel anxious about prayer because, because we saw a miracle happen, or so we thought, but somebody's like, no, that was just the medicine. That was just the doctor. Like, or like there was a point in time where people had to like pray for rain. Like in order to eat, they needed a meal. And so therefore they needed rain. But now we just kind of genetically modify seeds and you know, just, it's all on science. We we just so this out, there's this outcome anxiety, like, well, maybe even for you you'd say, I just feel like if I just work hard enough, I can just get what I want. So I don't really need to pray. Like it, I mean, why? Like I, I, I'm, I can just do it by myself. In fact, I'd rather do it by myself. I, I have more control that way. And you, you're kind of anxious about the outcome of prayer. So you just don't even pray. Or maybe, maybe you have motive anxiety. And this is an anxiety about prayer where you say, I'm just, I'm not one of those people who's ever going to be good at prayer. Like I've seen some people pray. And when they do so, it feels like they are touching heaven. And hell is shaking in its boots. You know what I mean? Like they are ready to take on the fire of hell with a water pistol and you're like, just go for it. Like you got this. But like that would never be, that could never be me. Like I I'm not good enough. I mean, even my lifestyle doesn't justify me being even able to talk to God. Like I make too many mistakes. I have too many bad thoughts. There's just too many things that hinder me from really ever allowing God to, you know, work or move through my life. Like it's motive anxiety. Maybe lastly, you have God anxiety. You're like, I just, I don't believe. I just don't even know if I believe in the God that we're praying to. Or maybe you'd say, man, like, I, I believe, but like, but like, I just, I don't know. I don't really understand the God of the Bible. Or like all the horrible things that are happening in the world, I believe that there's a God, but I don't want to pray to Him because how could that God who am praying to allow these atrocities to take place, or allow the racial injustice to take place or allow the famines in Africa, which nobody's even covering right now, to take place? Like, how could God allow these things? The human trafficking and just the, all all, all the pain that even you're experiencing in your own life. Like, I don't know, I just feel like I don't really want to pray to that God. See, your, your image of God more than anything else, hear me ethos, it will determine the degree of honesty within your prayers. I love what John Frame, theologian, he said this, that to some, God is a benevolent grandfather figure, a grandmother who, whose love excludes any kind of punishment or discipline. To some, God is a blessing dispenser, one who gives people everything they want as long as they pray with enough faith. To still other, God is a cosmic policeman who sits ready to pounce on anybody who makes a moral mistake. Then there are the gods of amateur theologians. And I think today, our world, our nation, Facebook is full of amateur theologians. They're the ones who say, yeah, I believe in God and immediately follow that with, my God is like this or my God would never do that. But how do they know? And why should any of us regard them as the experts? See, the reality is that a lot of people have the wrong vision of God. Like some of us come to prayer and we're like, God, you know, I'm I'm sorry to bother you. Like I know you're so busy you got a lot of stuff going on. Like, here I am. And others of us maybe come to God and we're like, God, I know you hate people. Like, clearly, you hate people. My life is representative of the fact that you hate people. But, I mean, it's my last resort. i got nowhere else to go, nobody else to ask. So, here I am. But maybe that's a gross exaggeration of your experiences. But, but you get the point. We, a lot of us just have the wrong vision of God. Like, we have got to stop We've got to stop viewing God through the lens of our circumstances and begin to view God through the lens of His Word. Jesus literally said, I have come to reveal the Father. Like if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know how God interacts with humanity, you need to look no further than Jesus. Begin in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first four books of the Newer Testament, of the newer portion of our Bible. In the Journal of Psychology and Religion, There was a study that found that those who pray with a view of God that is loving and protective experience dramatic reduction in anxiety-related symptoms compared to those who prayed without the expectation of love from God. In other words, what we believe about God greatly impacts the experiences we have when we pray to God. We've we've talked about this in the past. This this quote from A.W. that what comes to mind when you think about God is the single most important thing about you. It determines our interactions not just with God but really our interactions with people as well so, so so what do we do then like like where do we go from from here like because because if if you're anything like me, you can identify some of these anxieties in your own life like there are times when I have recognized that I have not prayed because I have an outcome anxiety because I'm concerned that something won't go the way I think that I that even God wants it to go but if it doesn't I'm going to look like a fool like there are people who are sick who need prayer but I'm concerned to actually pray in faith for their healing because what if they don't get healed and what if that just completely messes with their psyche about who God is but alternatively what if they do what if God moves and performs a miracle in their life like sometimes I'm concerned about praying for something I believe is God's heart because what if it doesn't come to pass am I just going to be disappointed and look like a fool or maybe sometimes I'm concerned because I think, you know what, God, I, I really don't understand. I'm just not sure how to pray. And so I don't. Maybe I have some sort of God anxiety or motive anxiety. See, ultimately, if you have, if you have outcome anxiety, that's the stuff that God does. You have anxiety about what God does. If you have motive anxiety, that's, that's about who you are. You don't feel worthy enough to pray. But if you have God anxiety, that's just because we don't understand the character of God. So how do we move forward in prayer? I want to give you what I think are the three of the most, and at the risk of just sounding a little bit presumptuous, the most practical and yet transformational things that you can do in order to really grow in your prayers and my heart my prayer is that we as a community here at ethos would develop a culture of prayer because it's prayer that makes all the difference in our lives it's prayer we're going to talk about this next week where we partner with god as co-laborers or as as partners with him to bring about his transformative kingdom here on the earth so how do we move forward first thing you got to do is just pray what you've got step number one pray what you've got Moses, this great patriarchal leader of our faith, at one point, he says, God, why did you give me these stiff-necked people? At another point, he says, God, show me your glory. Like, here's Moses in one moment being like, God, I can't stand these people. They're crazy. They're yours. Why did you curse me with these folk? another point, he's like, God, you're amazing. I just want to see your glory. Moses is really just praying what he's got in that moment. David, this is the famous king who defeated Goliath, he, he at one point says, God, dash them, my enemies, dash their head against the rocks. Talk about like some rated R type of stuff that David is praying for there, right? Like like if you if you think the Bible is boring, like if you like like if you like romantic stuff like it's in here like if you like action stuff it's in here like if if you if you like a good if you just like a good like you know a good outcome like it's in here you want some drama it's in here like david is like hey dash their head against the rocks god another point then he says one thing have i desired above all to behold the beauty of you in your temple Dash their heads. Oh God, I really just want to see your beauty. Like what's David doing here? David is just, he's praying what he's got. Like if you're going to, if we're going to, if I'm going to learn to pray at all times and in all situations, you've got to pray what you've got. Even Jesus on the cross says, God, why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? Another time, Jesus says, my father, and he uses the term Abba, which is this Aramaic term that That represents this endearing intimate relationship he has with god he's like god why have you left me god i'm so close with you jesus is praying he he's even modeling for us that we should just pray what you've got maybe you, you want to learn to pray but you'd be like jordan my motives like they're just jacked up like the stuff in me it's just messed up like like even when i come to church or i tune in like suddenly all of these bad thoughts start coming up to my mind like every lustful thought i've ever had comes to my mind. Like it seems like when I enter into prayer, every worry starts coming up into my mind. Like I just I just feel like I've got bad motives. Like I just not I just can't do it. Listen to me. That's how you deal with your motives. You pray them. You don't fix your motives. Ethos, you gotta get this. You bring your motives to God. So you say, you say Jordan like I've got all sorts of lust in me. Bring that to God. God, you know what, right now, you know what I want to do? I want to look at pornography. That's what I want to do. Like, God, you know what, right now, like, I don't even want to be married to that man. Like, he drives me crazy. He's hurt me so many times. I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Like, maybe for you, you'd be like, man, I've been so disappointed. I've been rejected by school after school after school. Everybody just keeps telling me, oh, it's not God's will. It's all about God's timing. And you're like, no, just forget about that. Like, God, I'm just, I'm tired of this. I was talking to a friend today who has been, who's been greatly disappointed by some some circumstances out of out of their control, and she was just telling me, she's like Jordan, I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm just kind of mad at God, and I've been telling him, like God, I'm, I'm really frustrated with you, and I thought, man, that's that's it, that's it, like you've got to pray what you've, you got to pray what you've got. I love what John Chapman says, pray as you can, not as you can't. Jordan, I can't, I can't pray all night long, then don't do it. I can't. I can't do intercessory prayer. Then don't do it. You're like, but I can't pray for people at work. Like, I, I try to I just can't. Then don't do it. But I would ask you, what can you do? I can pray for two minutes. Then do the two minute thing, man. Like, then start there. But you've got to just pray what you've got. C.S. Lewis said, let us lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Prayer is about honesty with God. See, my relationship with my wife is is a continually growing thing because you know what I don't do? I don't just come to my wife when everything's good. Like she begs of me. She's like, babe, what's really going on inside of you? What are you really thinking right now? And as a result, like we have these intimate conversations where we just share some things that we wouldn't share with anybody else. And we grow closer with one another. And there's this relationship that begins to grow deeper with greater, really just, strength. And that's what God wants. That's what He wants from you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're like, like, Jordan, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I really even understand where to start. You, you just start with what you're feeling. Like, tell God where you're at. But, Jordan, that, that seems kind of scary. Like, Like, what if, what if I have to go to God and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm asking that you change my desires so that I could become more holy because really all I want to do is I'm just on fire with lust. You, I mean, God's going to be mad at me, right? No. He's going to be proud of you. He's going to love the fact that you're being honest with Him. Don't pretend to pray. Pray what you've got. If you don't believe me, look at Luke chapter 18. Verse 10, Jesus is telling this story. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, robbers and evildoers, adulterers, not even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I've got. And the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, just a jacked up human being. And Jesus concludes by saying, I tell you, that this man, not the other, went home justified before God. you got to just learn to pray what you've got. If we're going to develop a culture of prayer, we've got to learn to pray what we've got. The second thing is practice what you've got. Practice, like right? Just, just kind of get into it. Consistency, not intensity of prayer. Just begin to just begin to pray. Jordan, I don't feel like it's making a difference though. Yeah, yeah. There's no formation without repetition, though. Like, you just gotta just kind of keep, keep at it. There's no change without practice. Like, you just gotta keep at it. Yeah, but Jordan, like, it just doesn't feel amazing. Like, when I pray, it doesn't feel like what I think other people are experiencing when they pray. Listen to me. If, if life is always amazing, it's probably because you're on drugs. Like, like just, let's be real. Like, like, life is all over the map. Like, it's just, it's crazy sometimes. It's not always rarely when I pray do I get goosebumps or do the hairs on the back of my neck start to stand up like we all assume would happen when we pray to this God this creator of the universe but, but listen, I love what John Tyson says addiction to religious ecstasy is often idolatry if we are waiting for the perfect moment we are missing out on the beauty of an actual real authentic genuine experience in relationship with God. We're saved by grace, we live by grace, and we pray by grace. We pray knowing that we don't need some extraterrestrial experience. It's just the grace of God that gives us the ability to pray to God. And the third thing is we're closing right here. Pray what you've got, practice what you've got, and then pray where you are, anywhere can be turned into an altar of an encounter with prayer. It doesn't matter where you're at, in the classroom, in your dorm, in the hallway, at your job, at the cubicle, at home, on the couch, in your office with your kids, putting them to bed at night, like anywhere can be turned into an altar of encounter with prayer. Just pray where you are. It's not another conversation. It's not another news article. It's not some social media post. It's prayer that really makes all the difference. And I cannot encourage you enough to to tune in next week because I think it's one of the more, I think it's one of the more challenging, but encouraging and also just transformational and imperative things that we lean into as we begin to learn how do we actually partner with God to see his will come to pass on this earth. It's prayer that makes all the difference. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, the author is writing of Jesus, and it says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. He was just real to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he, what he suffered. Jesus just learned to pray what he's got, to practice what he got, and to pray wherever he is. I desperately want us to build a culture of prayer here at Ethos. In fact, during these 21 days of prayer, I mean, right now we're on what, day 14? And this has been such a crucial thing for us because I believe this is part of us really leaning in and saying, listen, even some of these simple prayers, you think, man, Jordan, some of these prayers I'm praying in the morning before I go to work or at night before I go to bed, like it's taking me like two or three minutes. Great. Great. Don't beat yourself up over it. Pray what you've got and pray where you are. But that's us beginning to develop a culture and a rhythm of prayer so that we can bring about the change. And really that we can be even more important than that, just experience the fullness of a relationship with God. I want to close with a quote from Philip Yancey, where he said, Most of my struggles in the Christian life circle around the same two themes. Why God doesn't act the way that we want God to, and why I don't act the way that God wants me to. Prayer is the precise point where those themes converge. If prayer stands as the place where God and human beings meet, then I must learn about prayer, gotta learn about prayer. So if your heart is breaking, pray what you've got. If you're frustrated and confused, pray what you've, pray what you've got. If, you're, if your life's going good, man, pray what you've got. Just thank God for the situations that, that are going well in your life. If you're disappointed, just pray that. God, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, but pray, pray what you've got. In fact, maybe, maybe you've been praying for some time. I, I just felt encouraged to kind of give a next step for those of you who'd say, Jordan, what can I do practically to really begin to experience prayer in a new way? I, I would encourage you to begin to journal your prayers. I'm closing with this right here, just a really practical thing. For some of you who say, man, I, I've been following Jesus for quite some time and I, I want to kind of take that next step and begin to grow in my discipline, my relationship, my rhythm with Jesus. Begin to journal your prayers. It's been one of the greatest things for me to look back at prayers that I've actually prayed as I've journaled them out. I'm like, man, look at how God answered that. I can literally see God's faithfulness over the years as I read some of the prayers that I prayed. Some are one sentence long. Some are a paragraph. Some are a page. But but every single day, I just kind of pray what I've got in that moment. It's been beautiful to see God begin to transform and work through, through those prayers.